Following the service, the family invites you to join them for a light luncheon in the community room here at the church. And the luncheon will give you an opportunity to share with the family and with each other at this time, which is so important to share and to be together. And we'd really love for you to stay, if it's at all possible, and to share this meal with them. And then following the luncheon, there will be a committal service at the Woodlawn Cemetery in Wellsville. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, yet shall they live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Behold, I died, but I am alive forevermore, and I hold the keys of hell and death. Because I live, you also shall live. We have gathered here today to praise God and to witness our faith as we celebrate the life of Mary Ballard. We come together to acknowledge God's grace in our lives and to acknowledge our grief at this time of human loss. During this hour, may God search each one of our hearts that in pain we may find comfort, in sorrow, hope, in death, resurrection. Almighty God, our refuge and strength, very present help in every time of trouble. We thank you for your faithfulness and for your goodness to your servant, Mary. In this hour together, grant us your light to shine through the shadows of this hour. Comfort every heart that is heavy with sorrow and have compassion upon our weakness. Give us a vision of your greatness and surround us with the hope of the larger and greater life that you have promised through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Face to face. 
Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will live in the, and, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war should rise against me, and this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore I will offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Psalm 116. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I will take up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord, now in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, 
Truly, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. Well, it's an honor for me to be here today, offering a, a few words of remembrance and tribute to Mary. And I want to say thank you to the family for giving me this opportunity. I had the privilege of being Mary's doctor during the time that she was in the nursing home. In fact, I think she was one of the first people assigned to me at the facility when I had first taken up practice here in Houghton. And over the last 15 years, as I was blessed to visit her regularly, she became quite a special patient to me. As I've reflected on my interactions with her during those visits, there are several memories or impressions that I thought I would share. Memories that speak of her gracious spirit, her concern for others, and her deep love for Jesus. The first of these was her smile. I think you noticed it on the pictures that were shown earlier. Mary smiled, even when it was difficult for her to do so. At times, it was weaker than at others, but it seemed whenever we crossed paths, in the hallway or in her room, she found the energy to smile at me. In fact, it seemed that whenever she realized someone was with her, one of the aides or one of the nurses, family member, another resident, she would smile. And it was one of those authentic, I'm glad to see you smiles the kind of smile that warms your heart. And it blessed me every time I experienced it. Next, she never complained. And it would have been quite understandable for her to have done so at times. She experienced some difficult days at the hands of her medical conditions. And while she was honest about her physical experiences, and at times I'm sure uh, some discouragement set in, Mary never became bitter, never resentful, never complaining. Her hope was in the Lord, and she approached life with a deep understanding of her complete dependence on his grace to see her through. She was ever grateful for his sustaining touch, and she shared that with me. Her approach to suffering testified to me of a deep faith in her loving Savior. Third, she always asked about Rachel. Rachel is my oldest daughter, and she and Courtney, Mary's great-granddaughter, born just a day apart, are good friends. When I would call on her, Mary would invariably ask if they had done anything special recently. It was a reminder from her that we were connected beyond the present medical conversation. I felt like it was one of her ways of saying, I'm thinking about you and yours as well. It meant a lot, and I know that I'm not the only person who experienced her thoughtfulness in that way. Finally, and, and this may be my favorite memory, uh, I enjoyed the chances that we, that we had to pray together. 
As a physician who's a Christian, it's a great privilege to be invited to pray with one of your patients. And I I honestly can't remember whether it was her or me that initiated it the first time that it happened. And though it didn't happen at every visit, it became a repeated blessing that I enjoyed. I loved hearing her pray, and I felt honored to lift her before the Lord. What struck me most was that when we prayed together, when she was in the presence of her Lord, no matter what else was going around, was going on around, Mary was at peace. It was so clear to me that Mary loved Jesus, loved him deeply. Praise for her Savior was always on her lips. She frequently mentioned how Christ sustained her through difficult days. And through that testimony, I was encouraged in my own faith. In our Sunday school class recently, we've spent some time thinking about the topic, Growing Old Gracefully. As I think over the 15 years that I've known Mary, it strikes me that she was a wonderful example of that process. In all its permutations, gracefulness, graciousness, gratitude, Mary was full of grace, full of God's grace. She received it, and she extended it freely. And in the end, I'm thankful for the way the Lord worked in my life through hers. In fact, more often than not, I left her room thinking that she had just done more for me than I had for her. Thank you, Mary. I'm going to be reading from my grandmother's memory book, which is a collection of just memories of her life that she wrote down with family members over the last couple of years. Um, She grew up on a farm, and she worked from the time she was very young. Um, She was always a hard worker in her life, but when I read about her as a child and how much she worked, um, it was very impressive to me that she started out that way um, as a little girl. So when you hear this part about the things that she did, picture this girl, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, doing these tasks. I think that's how it was. We had to learn how to milk a cow, feed the animals, drive a horse. In the summer, we had to load the wheat on a big hay wagon stacking it in rows and layers until it was 10 feet tall. My grandfather and uncle had farms nearby, and we would work on all three farms. I helped my mom in the kitchen a lot and helped in the garden. We played a lot of games, Lizzie and John and I. Those were her siblings. We played house and played school up in the attic. We divide our rooms with blankets and play up there for hours. I also had a pet cow and a few sheep. We had fun playing football with the ram. We'd toss the ball to him, and he would bunt it with his head back to us. We had to be careful not to turn our back to him, or he would bunt us too. One time, a salesman came, and the ram chased him, and the man had to hide behind a tree. We laughed about that. As teenagers, the cousins all got together and played in the evenings. 
On Saturdays in the summer, the churches would sponsor picnics. These were big community affairs with marching bands, cake walks, bingo. One evening, Lizzie and John and I each won a prize. We picked gifts to give to Mom. We were so excited to give her things. It was a big occasion when I left home to go to Nyack. No one went far from home. The young people at church weren't much help. They said, give her two weeks and she'll be back. I was determined I was going to stay. The Lord helped me get over homesickness. And my grandmother met her future husband, Clayton, at Nyack College uh, in 1933. And this is what she writes about their courtship. Clayton passed a note to Elva, my friend, to give to me, asking me to go with him on a class hike to Hook Mountain. My friend Wilma was with me when I got the note, and she said, Oh, he's cute. I told another boy to tell Clayton I would go with him. We went together, dated for a while, but I lost interest. We didn't go together all summer, and he dated other girls, but I watched him. <laughs> at Christmas time that year, the students who couldn't afford to go home stayed at school. My friend Agnes said to me, he likes you, why don't you go back with him? So we started dating again. Playing hard to get worked. <laughs> he asked me to marry him in May of 1934. <coughs> Grandma writes a favorite verse, Philippians 4:11. I have found in whatever state I am to be content. I am grateful for my grandmother's loving presence in my life. It was always a good thing to have grandma around. She was kind and generous to everyone. She was always looking for ways to help. When she would visit us, where we lived in the suburbs of New York City, I remember coming home from school. And the pajamas I'd taken off that morning were freshly laundered and folded on my bed. We used to tease her that she was so eager to do our laundry, she would grab the clothes you were wearing if you weren't careful. <laughs> In the later years, my phone calls with Grandma weren't very long, but she would always say, Oh, I wish I could give you a great big hug. And I knew that every time she said it, she meant it completely. I'm comforted to know that right now, Grandma's getting a great big hug. Mary was one of my very dearest friends. I looked upon her as a fragrant display, a bouquet of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, you know those. Come with me and visit her in her room. We knocked on the door, we came in, and we've already heard about that warm, welcoming smile. Oh, come in. I'm so glad to see you. Have a chair. Mm. <laughs> and then 
we would talk. And I saw the love, the love of God in her face. We saw it on the walls with all of the pictures. We saw it as one of the workers would just drop in and say, I just wanted to say hello, Mary. And we saw it always with the tender loving care of her immediate family, Marilyn, Rosalind, and Bob, always attending to her needs. Yes, there was love in that room. And there was joy. The joy of the Lord surely was Mary's strength. And as we talked, we loved having her just share vignettes of her past. For example, the laundry basket story. (laughs) After she had hung up her clothes, she discovered a snake down in the bottom. She picked it up and flung it as far away as she could. And I think she did that with any other snake-type incident in her life. Another place, another time. This I might call the subterranean story. The faucets would drip and sputter, and so Mary would go under the house. And she would come out victorious. (laughs) And not only that, a neighbor who saw her said, Mary, I need that too. And so under another house (laughs) went Mary. And as she straightened up, she said, Oh, I think I should hang out a shingle. (laughs) Yes, there was joy in that room. And then there was peace. Mary was fully aware of all that was going on in the world. The casualties, the conflicts, and all that went on. Yet she claimed for her own life the promises of God. Peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give unto you, not as the world giveth. And she was claiming that all of her life, all that I knew her. And also, in that same portion, I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am you may be also. Mary claimed that and looked forward to it. And now she is seeing him. As we turned to leave, and the time went so quickly, she would say, oh, do you have to go? And then she would graciously say, oh, thank you. Thank you for coming. And then as we turned, we waved and said, see you soon. And now we enter another door with Mary. Just think of stepping ashore and finding it heaven. And of taking a hand and finding it God's. And then of waking up in glory and finding it home. Can't you picture Mary seeing him? face to face with her beloved Savior and hearing the words, well done. Our hearts today are heavy 
And yet there's a joy. We all sense that. In our lives, there is a great void. And in our hearts, there's a hole shaped by Mary of vacancy. And we just praise the Lord for a beautiful, glorious life. Before we close that door, a personal word. Mary, thank you for being my beautiful friend, a faithful friend, one whom will always stay in my heart. We wave again. I love you. See you soon. I would like to thank you all for coming, and especially those of you from the nursing home. That means a great deal to Marilyn and me. Thank you. James, whereas you don't know what your life will be tomorrow, for what is your life? For you are like a vapor that appears for a little time, then vanishes away. On May 23rd of this year, Mom would have been 99. She had spunk. Mary Amanda Baumberger Ballard was the middle child of John and Sarah Baumberger, born in Schaeferstown, Pennsylvania, raised on a farm. The family attended River Brethren Church and spoke only German in the home. Not until she attended public school did she learn to speak English. In high school, a stirring in her heart began a desire to go on to higher education. Although she had not finished high school yet, her pastor suggested that she write to Nyack Missionary Training Institute in Nyack, New York. It was a brave step for a poor young farmer girl to leave home. We still wonder at her courage. Few of us, few of her family or friends encouraged her. But her pastor, her piano teacher, and one grandfather said, Mary, I think you can do it. And she did. Working long hours in Nyack homes, usually as a nanny or a maid, she had spunk. While at Nyack, she took courses to finish her high school requirements and courses to prepare her for service on a mission field. It was there she met our father, as you've heard. And in 1935, they were married, and people came from all around out of curiosity because a church wedding was highly unusual. Most weddings were taking place in homes. They married and and, and, uh, then began their ministry in Ocala, Florida, later in a tiny church in Sio, New York. That's what brought her to western New York. In Sio, Mom and Dad brought into our home things that had not been in the home of our, my strict parent, of her strict parents: birthday parties, Christmas trees, Easter bonnets, and new store-bought clothes. Because Clayton was then deemed too old at age 25 to go to the mission field. 
They settled down in Allegheny County and began immediately to be active lay leaders in the Christian Missionary Alliance Church in Wellsville. Our father worked as an engineer in a local industry, and Mom was a quintessential stay-at-home mom, except for those times when times were hard and she had to go to work. She worked part-time in industry or at a grocery store or in cleaning homes, and always she was the heart of our home. At our church in Wellsville, Mom taught primary Sunday school, vacation Bible school, while our father served as church treasurer and Sunday school superintendent. They provided rich memories for us of a happy home. They set high standards for us and encouraged our artistic and musical endeavors. When at age 48, without warning, our father died, Mom had to go back to work full-time. Marilyn and I were both in college programs in nursing. Marilyn here at Houghton in their five-year program, and I at Wheaton in the, in the nursing program that included West Suburban Hospital at Oak Park, Illinois. Some of my memories of her are these. Her consistent generosity, her diligence, her rich laughter, and most of all, her prayers. I will remember her hospitality, often providing meals, as the Hesses will attest, testify to that. <clears throat> she provided meals for visiting missionaries and pastors. I think of her vegetable and her flower garden. Some of these flowers here are the kinds that she grew in her garden. Her sympathy for others and her care for others. She was spunky. One day, she took us out of school in Belmont to go to a circus in Wellsville. We hid in the back of the house while the truancy, <laughs> the truancy officer came to the door to check on how sick we really were. <laughs> she told no lies, and we had a wonderful day. <laughs> That was Mom. Mom loved and served her family well and generously. She especially loved the times when the grandchildren and great-grandchildren began to come into the family. In year 2009, she became a great-great-grandmother, and she followed with deep interest the progress of little preemie Grayson's birth weight, who is now a healthy three-year-old. Things I will miss, as has been mentioned, her ready smile, a sense of humor, and she was full of fun, as you could see. Her constant prayers for us, her concern for others and not for herself, her, her love of scripture and hymns, and her passion for reading. I will also miss her frequent question asking me, shouldn't you put on a sweater? <laughs> so if you say that to me, I know you love me like she did. Most of all, I will remember her deep faith and her love for her Lord. In spite of painful final years, 
She was faithful to her family and to her Lord to the very end. first part of Proverbs 31, verse 28 says, Her children rise up and call her blessed. And that's what we want to do today. Mom was a beautiful woman inside and out. She was the epitome of chapter 31 of Proverbs. Industrious, wise, trustworthy, strong, humble, unselfish, creative, generous, and caring. She exemplified so many gracious qualities that it is hard to enumerate them all. She was industrious and worked very hard all her life. Whatever she found to do, she did it well and completely, whether it was at home or at work. She loved to keep a neat, clean home for her family. She loved growing plants and flowers. She grew beautiful roses, lilies, gladiolas, zinnias, African violets, and many flowers and vegetables in her garden. She had an intellectual curiosity about the world around her. She loved history and kept up with current events by reading the paper every day and um, listening to the radio. She didn't have a TV in her home until the late 50s, after I had left for college. She felt badly for people around the world who were experiencing trouble of any kind. She had a great heart for missions and wanted her family and the peoples of the world to know the love of Jesus as she personally knew his life, his love and her life. She was wise and had a large dose of common sense. I would come to her with a problem and she would say, why don't you try this? And I would say, why didn't I think of that? (laughs) She was creative. She sewed for us when we were little and worked with many different kinds of crafts to express her artistic side. She was generous in preparing many meals for visitors, for the sick and needy around her, and found other ways to help. She was very unselfish and caring, She wanted the needs of those around her to be met before she would think of her own needs. She would make do with what she had and not complain. She taught us to think of others. I was once asked, how did you know to do that to make me more comfortable? And I answered, my mother always taught us to look around and see what we could do to help. She was trustworthy. If she promised to do something for someone, she would follow through and do it and do it well. She was strong. In difficult times, she was the rock on which her family could depend. When my, fam- my dad died suddenly when mom was only 45, she didn't fall apart, but accepted with grace whatever God saw fit to put into her life, knowing that her Savior, Jesus, would walk with her into the future. Shortly after he died, She had a very vivid dream of Clayton standing beside a tree in heaven. She said he looked healthy and in the prime of life. He said to her, it won't be long. That meant to her that she would be there with him soon. And it's been over 50 years. But not long ago, Mom said to me, it hasn't seemed long. She was humble. 
Whenever someone would give her praise, she would say, no, no. But she had the dignity of somebody who knew she was loved by God, and she would give him the praise for whatever she did. She had a great sense of humor and could laugh at herself or with someone who teased her. Even toward the end, she could joke with her aides and nurses around her and with us. She was grateful, as we are, for all the wonderful care she received in the Houghton Nursing Home from the nurses and aides. They were very loving, caring people who went out of their way to make her as comfortable as possible for the last 14 and a half years. We are grateful also for her dear friends and family who came faithfully and frequently to visit her and made her days more cheerful. Even in her pain and disability, her favorite saying got to be, I'm so blessed. Most of all, she was godly. She would often start her prayers by saying, Our precious Heavenly Father. When I was a small child, one of my most, most vivid memories of Mom was when I opened her bedroom door one day and I found her on her knees praying beside her bed. Tears were streaming down her face as she was praying for her family, her friends, and the people around the world. She longed for them all to know the love and peace of Christ as she did. Thanks, Mom, for being you.
John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way we know. But I would not but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall ascend from the heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Jesus shall rise first, then which we are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. For those that knew Mary Ballard or Grandma B, as the family knows her, she preached her funeral message every day. It was the life that she lived. So the task I have has been done for me. We could stand here all day and different ones that knew her could share of her goodness. And even despite the fact that she outlived most, if not all, of her contemporaries, there are plenty here that have seen her graces. I've known her for more than 25 years now, so I've married into the family. But still, that's just one quarter, the last quarter of her life. And I'm sure there are countless stories that she may be reminiscing with in heaven of those that she has touched that have long gone to be with the Lord. Yet it seemed that she had a quality about her, and as I've seen her over these last 25 years... The quality was that she got better and better the older she grew. She grew deeper in her love for the Lord. And especially in these last 10 years of her life, Christ has been more and more visible. The Apostle Paul in Philippians was discussing a time when people could say good things about him. But in Philippians chapter 3, beginning verse 7, he puts that aside, deflects that to focus on Christ. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. 
for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. Because like him in his death, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. As we share of Mary's qualities and goodness that we have observed in her, let me draw your attention to something more profound than goodness, more holy. For she was good not just because she had a good personality or something that she chose as if it were coming from within her. But rather we could see the influence of the Holy Spirit upon her. She had an authentic encounter with Jesus Christ back in 1929. And this encounter completely transformed who she was and continued to transform her until last Wednesday afternoon. The seed of holiness was planted in her spirit and continued to grow and bear fruit every day of her life. Several years ago, after I had been asked to to speak at her funeral, I went up to the nursing home and sat down with her. Most of her conversation, she would ask about me and she would want to know how the kids were, my job, and different things. She was very interested in me. This time I asked her if we could just sit in the entire conversation. Let me ask her questions. And she described her encounter with God. When she was nine nine years old, she attended a series of revival services. Even at that young age... She clearly felt the Lord's conviction, the Holy Spirit tugging at her heart, that she was a sinner and needed to be saved. She told her friend that that night she was going to go forward to the altar and pray to get saved. That friend went and told Mary's father. And even though her mother and father were Christians, they felt that she was too young and that she did not understand. Her father asked her not to go forward. And she submitted to his wishes. She said the conviction went away. And for the next seven years, she did not feel the Lord drawing her near to him. Then again, at the age of 16, she attended another church. This was the United Brethren Church in Shaverstown, Pennsylvania. This was not her home church, but a church that was having a special revival service. And she described this as... As a great movement of the Lord that was occurring at that church. She told me that 50 young people came forward and got saved during these services. She once again felt the Lord's conviction. 
She went forward to pray at the altar and was saved. After this, she declared that she wanted to serve Christ with all of her life. At the time, she thought that would be in missions, and she started to prepare to be a missionary. At age 18, you've heard the story. She, she, before she finished high school, went off to Nyack College, which was then called Nyack Missionary Training Institute near New York City. This is a college, and as I studied, it had been founded by A.B. Simpson, the founder of Christian Missionary Alliance, just 40 years before Mary arrived, and probably less than 10 years after his death. She started classes there and finished her high school during the summer sessions. While at the Missionary Training Institute, where she met Clayton Ballard, he was also feeling called to missions, had been, was in seminary at the time. You've heard the story can be longer, it can be longer this than this, but they did marry. Later on, their plans to go into missions were diverted, but she continued to feel that call to serve Christ wherever God placed her. And whether with her family, with her church, with her neighbors, with the nursing home community, she was a missionary for Jesus Christ. She loved him and served him with all of her life. I asked her that day that I visited with her, what message would, would you want me to give your family at your funeral? If you can hear this in her sweet voice, she said, be faithful to the Lord and love the Lord with all your heart. She described that love for the Lord as so precious. She said, at nights when I cannot sleep, I lay in bed and pray. It's so wonderful to feel the presence of the Lord as if he is right here with me in the room. More than once, she said, I'm ready to leave whenever he calls. And though this was probably seven or eight years ago, she was ready. Sometimes wondering why God kept, kept her here on this earth. But ask her, when, when you think about the day when the Lord calls you home, how do you feel? Enthusiastic. Maybe it's most, much enthusiastic if we'd had the entire conversation. She said, joy. Complete joy. And then after a pause, she said, I also think of those who are not ready. Some days, she said, when I don't feel so good, I think to myself, maybe this is the day. Maybe this is the day the Lord will call me. She said this with hope and eagerness in her voice. She was not afraid of death at all. For the sting of death had been removed. She was so proud of what she called her wonderful family. And especially thankful for Rosalind and Marilyn. And we in the family have seen Christ's love poured back into her through you. Especially these last 15 years, but I'm no much longer than that. And it's been remarkable to see the devotion and love that you have shown to your mother during this time. May God bless you for that blessing and for that, that service to Mary.
Paul concluded the passage in Philippians by saying, not that I've already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. May God continue to bless the memory and may his spirit draw near to us as it certainly was near to Mary. Let us stand together and sing hymn number 43, Great is Thy Faithfulness.
Thank you all for being here today to celebrate the life of this very special lady. The family asked me to say just a couple of words prior to the benediction today because I had the wonderful privilege of visiting fairly regularly uh, with Mary in the nursing home. I had the the wonderful joy of being able to pray with the family on Wednesday morning um, just before uh, Mary went home to be with the Lord. Um, So just a couple of quick words and then the benediction. Um, My wife Mary and my daughter Mackenzie visited Mary with me in the nursing home fairly regularly the first few years we were there. And uh, Mary took a very special interest in my daughter Mackenzie. And that was so special to us. She even had her picture up along with uh, the pictures of the rest of her family. And in more recent years when my family wasn't able to visit um, with me as much, she would always ask, how's your family? And so we spent a lot of time talking about our families. And there was no question whatsoever that she loved all of you. It was a privilege and a joy for me to hear some stories. Um, They were all very positive. She loved you all so very much. And I just want you all to know that we will continue to pray for you and with you as as you continue to grieve the loss of Mary. Um, So today we've celebrated the life of a wonderful woman who loved her Lord very much, as we've heard through all the different testimonies. Mary reflected the joy and peace of Christ. Today, as we leave this service, we can go in joy and peace as well, knowing that Mary is in the presence of the living Christ, experiencing that ultimate joy and peace that we all look forward to and hope for. And so with that in mind, uh, receive the benediction this morning. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, Encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. And may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you all. Amen.